Morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Morning. It's good to be with you. The scripture this morning, I'm going to read Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 28 to 36, and then I'm going to read verse 46 to 50. Okay, so Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36 first. This is what it says. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up onto the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked to him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. And while he was saying this, A cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days of what they had seen. And then verse 46 to 50, which says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought in their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least amongst you will be great. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him, because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. May the Lord add his blessing to his reading this morning. Now firstly, what I want to do is the transfiguration. Let's simplify it, okay? This is simply the turning point in Jesus' life. Peter had recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus had taught the disciples about his coming, about his death, and about his resurrection. And they go up the mountain, he goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus is transformed by heavenly glory. Elijah and Moses, they represent the Old Testament, and they represent the prophets. And their presence showed that Jesus was fulfilling what had been told. But the disciples still did not fully get it until after the resurrection. Greatness and glory. Verse 32, this is what it says. When they were fully awake, they saw his glory. You know, the reality is that we miss so much, don't we? Because our minds are often asleep. 
We're lethargic mentally sometimes. We struggle with our thoughts sometimes. We struggle with life in general sometimes. Plato once said, the unexamined life is a life not worth living. So for me, and I try and do this, we should be continuously examining our life. Life's full of things that should awaken us. God does much, but we, that's you and me, we miss it. And even if we don't miss it, what we do is, we forget it. We could go around everybody here today, and God's done some great things for each and every one of us. But very often, the great things He has done, they're a little bit of a distant memory sometimes, and we forget it, or we miss it. Elga once said this, there was a brilliant young female singer, she was pitch perfect, and she could sing, but she sang without feelings, she sang without expression, and this is what he said, she will be great when someone breaks her heart. Often sorrow, whether we like it or not, sorrow, hurt, heartache, tragedy, life itself can awaken us. Yet through tears, we can still see and experience glory. We can still see and experience good things. Now here's the question. Do we want a life of routine? Some of us like routine. Do we want a life of routine? Or do we want a life half asleep? Or are we people that want to say, Lord, keep me awake. Keep me awake. Let me listen. Let me hear. Let me serve. Let me make the difference that I can make as an individual in this life. Life-changing things, experiences. You know, sometimes life-changing experiences do happen on the mountaintop. But I would suggest that not always do life-changing experiences happen on the mountaintop. I want to suggest, in my experience anyway, very often the life-changing experiences happen in the valleys, in the tough times, in the hard places. That's the place we sometimes get closer to God when they're going is tough when the going is hard. I read a book many years ago by a guy called Warren Wearsby, and I've never forgot this. There was one little phrase, and it said this, the bumps are what you climb on. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's, that's pretty cool, that. The bumps are what you climb on. So when the bumps are coming, none of us can avoid bumps in life. Fact. But when the bumps come, don't try and avoid them. Don't try and go around them. Climb on top of them. And then what you do is you will grow, you will mature, you will develop, and you will wake up. So remember that. The bumps are what you climb on. I've even told the Gateshead management and players this one when they've lost a match and it's been difficult. I've sent messages. The bumps are what we climb on so that we learn from them. And we grow from them. And it's no different for us. Now, we all like to go to the mountains sometimes. But there comes a time when we have to come down. We have to come down from the mountain in verse 37. And when we come down from the mountain to life, it can very quickly get on top of us again. It can easily get on top of us. It did Jesus sometimes. 
We need the mountain, we need the mountain top, we need the experiences, but we can't stay up there. That's the reality. We can't stay up there. It's not real life. But the experience gives us the strength, the resilience that we will need for everyday life and living because it can be a battle, it can be hard. Life, the reality of it. And when we're up the mountain, if we listen, I believe God speaks, but only if we listen. When we're struggling, we must go to the mountain. We must go to the presence of God. But we can't, as I've said, remain there. Why can't we remain there? Well, we can't remain there because there's things to do. There's work to do. There's people to reach. There's people to serve. Some will just be helped. Some will be saved. That's the reality. Some will listen. Some won't listen. Some will take on board what we're saying. Some won't. Captain Scott said, We can't live forever in the moment on the mountain, but we cannot live without it at all. As individuals, as a church, sometimes we spend, maybe, we can fall into this trap that we spend too much time on the mountain, whatever it is, wherever it is, when we should be down doing what God wants us to do, spreading his word, spreading his gospel, spreading his kindness, spreading his love in all kinds of different ministries. Jesus' gospel was practical. His ministry was practical. His outreach was practical. His mixing was practical. It mixed with people in community that he was often told not to mix with. The sad thing is, ever since I was knee-eye to a grasshopper, that's what I've been told as well by people within our church, our community. They're the people we should not be mixing with. Surely, if that's the case, we're missing something. We're missing something about the gospel of Jesus because that's not a gospel that I believe in. We used to sing many years ago, probably sang it in church as well, whosoever will may come and who comes to him shall never, disappointed, be turned away in the Salvation Army. Whosoever, whosoever means everybody. Regardless, whosoever will may come. And who comes to him will never, disappointed, turn away. Praise the Lord, it is whosoever. And when Jesus does come, Jesus always brings order. He always brings calm. But he points the way to the cross. That's exactly what we should do. When we interact with people, we can try and bring order. We can try and bring calm, but we should always point to the cross. Jesus rejected greatness. Jesus rejected popularity and success because he chose the cross. So should we. Then we get on to this true greatness. As long as the disciples thought of Jesus' kingdom in earthly terms, it would be a competition. Because they were thinking of it from a wrong angle. They were thinking of it of higher places. Same with us. Let's be honest. It's the same with us sometimes. 
we know different. We compare each other, don't we? We all do it, myself included. We compare churches, we compare ministries, and we look at this and we look at that and we can just discuss this and discuss that. And the fact of the matter is, regardless of what church we're in, we're all striving for the same thing. We just do it in different ways. And yet we all fall into that trap that we compare. What Jesus was saying then and what Jesus is saying now, today, is this. Are we prepared to spend our lives serving people, helping people, loving people, who in the eyes of the world do not matter at all? Because we're serving Jesus and God. We need to be an open house. We've heard the phrase open house. Lots of people have an open house. Not everybody does, and that's fine. I'm not telling everybody you've got to have an open house because we're all different. But some people enjoy that, some don't. So that's your choice. But I would say this morning that as a church, it's not a choice. Every church should be an open house for the whosoever. The people that we sometimes look at and whether we like it or not, we do judge, depending on their gender, sexual orientation, whatever it is, their addictions, whatever. The church of God is for the whosoever. And so, from that respect, we should be an open house. So that we can love these people, and help these people, and work with these people, and most importantly, minister to these people. We are serving Jesus. Jesus also said, if you are prepared to spend your life doing apparently unimportant things and never trying to be what the world calls great, then you, you will be great in the eyes of God. There are so many wrong motives for each of us. Sometimes when we get into service, when we get into leadership, prestige. We're more interested in the position. We're more interested in the honour that it brings. A desire for place. We like the responsibility. We can think of ourselves and not others. What's in it for me? Prominence. We wish to be known. We wish to be praised. We wish to have our ego stroke sometimes. And if we give, it's only to gain. And if we do that, we're actually undoing any good we may have done. A Prime Minister was once offered congratulations on his appointment. And he said, I do not want your congratulations, but I do want your prayers. We are chosen, every single one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we are all chosen to serve. Every single one of us. We're not chosen to be elevated in the eyes of men. And when we serve, that often means sacrifice, doesn't it? In some way or other. Again, of course, he was singing Sunday school, J-O-Y, J-O-Y, surely that must mean Jesus first, Yourself, last, and others in between. There's a good message in that. Jesus first, yourself last, 
and others in between. The most powerful gospel that we can all share is our own story. How we got here. How we met Jesus. How we became a Christian. Because the good thing about our story and our testimony is people don't have to believe it, but they can't question it because they weren't there. And we were. So we know it's true. But that's the most powerful thing we can share. It doesn't have to be an amazing testimony either. Yeah, amazing testimonies are powerful, but our own personal testimony is powerful as well. So we can share that with people. We can build relationships. It's all about building relationships. It's all about doing normal things with people. It's all about getting to know them. Hence the Jesus mixing in society and community like he did. It's a great example to us all. And it's what we should all strive to do. We will all face storms in life at times, every single one of us. You may be in a storm right now. And as was said earlier in the service, we can pray for you. So if you're in a storm right now in life and you want us to pray with you, well, we'll hang around here at the front at the end of the service. And if anybody wants to come, we will pray for you specifically. There's an old proverb which says, when the storms pass, the grass will stand up again. There'll be storms. There'll be times of struggle. And again, if anybody's in a struggle right now, again, you can come to the front at the end of the service. And if you want us to pray for you, we will pray for you. Somebody once said this, you are but a poor soldier of Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting and suppose that you can have the crown without the conflict. I'll say that again. Because this, this really struck, resonated with me, this one. You are but a poor soldier of Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting and suppose you can have the crown without the conflict. What does the transfiguration say about Jesus? Well, it revealed his glory. It revealed who he was. He was transformed. A metamorphosis took place and God himself bore witness to his son. Jesus was the Messiah sent to redeem his people. It confirmed the rightness of the way that Jesus had chosen and it pointed to the glory that would one day be his and that Jesus had to die on the cross. <clears throat> but what does that say about us? What does that say about me and you? Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 8. This is what it says. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We see our commitment to each other and God's commitment to us. In human commitment, we go out of our way to help someone, and this is a true thing, when we feel very often that they are worthy or we feel that they deserve it. And yet, by contrast, this is what God does. God's love is shown in the death of Jesus as he died for those who were unworthy, rebellious, and largely 
ungrateful. Our transfiguration, our transfiguration <coughs> as individuals, it's this simple. We should be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. That's how simple it is. I wonder what or who do we see when we look at ourselves in a mirror? Because, whether we like it or not, we're experts at looking at others, aren't we? Every single one of us, myself included. We are absolute experts. But what we need to do sometimes is take time and look in the mirror at ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You know, it's quite simple. What we think, what you and I think about Jesus determines what we become. It doesn't only determine what we become, it determines what we actually do as well. The challenge for me this morning and the challenge for each and every one of us is simply this. What are we? Who are we? What have we become? And what are we becoming let's pray together and as I said earlier at the end if anybody's struggling or needs prayer we'll be at the front uh, to pray with you but let's just pray now that God comes and not only speaks to us really but challenges us into what we feel he's wanting to say to us today so Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your unconditional love. And uh, we thank you that your love is for the whosoever will may come. And Father, we want that same love. And so we pray, Father, that you will fill us with your spirit and that we will open our hearts and our lives to you and we will listen to your leading and what you say to us. And we thank you that we have the mountain to go to but we thank you as well that we need to come down from the mountain in order to serve each other and to serve others in our wider community. And we pray that you will give us a love for people regardless of what they are, who they are, uh, what they've done or what they're actually doing, Father. We just pray that you will give us the love that you have. That when you went to that cross for each and every one of us, even while we were sinners and even though many of us were, were not even interested and many today are still not interested and ungrateful that you still did it. And we want that love for people in our society, Father. Especially at this time. It's been prayed year after year after year that times get tough and times get hard. And it's certainly a hard time in society at this point. In this world. And in time. And so, Father, we just pray, come to us today. 
May we take this word, may we take it not to our heads, but to our hearts, and may we dwell on it in the days that lie ahead and pray and challenge ourselves, challenge ourselves to step outside of our comfort zone perhaps and do things that we've, we've not done, maybe for a long time. And so just bless us. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for everything that's gone forth in your name. And if there's anybody here today that needs to come to the front for prayer at the end of this service, then prompt them, Father. Prompt them so that they can be strengthened and renewed and, and given the courage to get through what they need to get through. We pray this in your name. And we pray this because we love you. Amen. Amen.